Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 63 titled The Endowment Effect. Great to be bringing you another podcast and hope you're all doing great. This episode today was inspired by an article that I'm going to, that was written by Lewis Chu. He blogs at Constant Renewal. So I'd like to share parts of his blog article and also talk about what the endowment effect is. And I think you'll find this topic pretty enlightening and interesting. So he wrote, not long ago, I tried clearing some of my possessions. It didn't go well. As I went through some old books and notes from school, I wondered to myself if I'd ever use them again. Deep down, I knew there was no chance I'd ever read the same books I enjoyed as a teenager. Still, I kept them. I reasoned with myself that maybe someday someone I knew would need them. It's safe to assume that it's extremely unlikely that someday we'll ever arrive. The truth is I don't need those books anymore. Neither did I want them anymore. Yet, I still couldn't get rid of them. It just feels right to keep those items in my life. So I'm going to pause right there and talk a little bit about that first part that he wrote. So I, too, went through this. I went to college. I went to graduate school. Through that process, I accumulated a lot of materials, a lot of papers that I wrote, a lot of tests, a lot of books, and I had kept them all for years. And one day when, this is after I started to get into minimalism a little bit, I started to think about why in the world am I keeping a textbook on case studies and ethics that I would never, ever consider reading again in my life uh, because it's really boring and is not something I'd want to read. Most material that we need nowadays we can find on the internet. So it took me a while, but I finally ditched all of my college tech, <clears throat> excuse me, all of my college textbooks and also threw away all of my tests and papers that I had kept. Um, and it was just like this author described. I'm not quite sure why I was keeping all that, but I had a really hard time letting it go. He goes on to write, I'm probably not alone in this. This thought process is something that most of us go through whenever it comes to our possessions. Some call it sentimental value, but the better answer is probably found in economics and psychology. So this brings us to the endowment effect. In the 1970s, psychologist Richard Thaler noticed a weird pattern. A man who bought a bottle of wine for $5 a few years ago was offered $100 by the wine merchant to buy the bottle back. This was a fair price that the bottle would probably fetch in an auction but the man declined to sell. When offered a chance to buy a similar bottle for the wine merchant for $100, the man also refused. The man didn't necessarily appreciate the wine, but he was still unwilling to sell at that price. This wasn't an isolated incident. In fact, it's all around us. The Economist recently published an article that surveyed how much people were willing to pay for legroom in an airplane. When told they did not have an automatic right to decline, but would have to negotiate for it, the recliners were only willing to pay $12 on average for this comfort. But when asked how much they would need to be paid to give up their own legroom, 
they required on average $39. The inconsistency is revealing. Psychologists call this the endowment effect. It's the tendency for us to overvalue things we own. It explains why we are so unwilling to give something up once we have ownership of it. At first, the researchers thought that this was a classic case of loss aversion, where we feel the pain of losing something more strongly than the pressure of pleasure of gaining something. That sounds logical, but there's a more insidious reason. Psychologists have also concluded that this is that, that this overvaluation may stem from our sense of ownership itself. We value something more simply because it is ours. If we own a car, laptop, or watch of a certain model, we would similarly overvalue that same object owned by someone else because we own one ourselves. So I'm going to break away from the article for a minute. <clears throat> I think we see a lot of that in people selling their homes too. We're just selling anything. People overvalue what belongs to them. It's very interesting, but it's very common. Now, I want to go back to a principle that the author talked about called loss aversion. We kind of glanced over that. I want to touch on that a minute, which basically says that we feel the pain of losing twice as much as the pleasure of gaining something. This is, I'm going to tie this into, take a little sidebar into investing right now. This is super important that you get your asset allocation proper, meaning your relation, your balance between stocks, bonds, and cash. Because if you're 100% in stocks and you get feeling really unsettled when the market goes down, the last two weeks have been extremely volatile. I mean, if you have a lot of money in your accounts, your accounts are going up by thousands and thousands of dollars up, up one day and down another by the same amount. It's been really up and down and volatile. So a loss aversion would say that when things go down, it feels twice as bad as the pleasure of it going up. So this means that if you're one of the people who really worries about your investments, you're checking them all the time, you're worried, you get stressed out when they go down, it might be wiser to add some bonds and more cash to your portfolio to help you emotionally. Yes, you're probably not going to make as much in the long run and you're going to lose money for that, but to be able to sleep at night and feel comfortable with your portfolio is super, super important because this is a real phenomenon that happens. That pain of losing or that perception of losing is intense and it's twice as much as the pleasure as gaining something. So that applies to money. So if you can ride through those ups and downs in the market and not feel bad, not lose sleep at night, understand that in the big picture, it's going to go back up and you just got to ride this roller coaster, <clears throat> you'll be fine. That's how I choose to handle it. I'm still 100% stocks and I watch and I check it quite often too, but I don't ever feel like selling when it goes up or down. Now, getting back to the article, the endowment effect often goes, goes unnoticed by us in most scenarios. What can we do then to counter this phenomenon? Here are three strategies you can apply. Ask yourself, how much would I pay for this if I didn't already own it? More often than not, you'll find that the answer is nothing. If that's the case, it's a clear sign you value an item not because of its extrinsic or intrinsic value, but simply because of the endowment effect. So I'm going to break away from the article again real quick right here. So if you have something in your home and you don't really like it and you look at it and you would not buy it again or you would not consider paying a penny for it, that to me probably means that it's time to let that item go 
and let it be enjoyed by someone else who might be willing to pay for it or might enjoy it. So you might be able to donate it, give it to a friend, or sell it on Facebook Marketplace, something to that effect. Returning to the article, consider the utility of the item. How much do you really need this item? The 80-20 principle holds true for our possessions as well. 80% of the utility we get from 20% of the possessions we own. Is this item adding value or simply creating clutter? Borrow and don't own. Luxury brands often offer customers a fitting trial or test of their product. We take advantage of this offer because it's free. But what we don't realize is that the endowment effect is already beginning to influence our decisions. We feel like we own that dress or car we're trying out. It's little wonder we walk out of stores with new possessions and less money in the bank more often than we like. If you want to try out a product, borrow it from a friend. This way, the obligation to return the borrowed item will prevent you from holding on to it indefinitely. I'm going to break again from the article for just a moment. This is why people get taken to the cleaners on car dealerships lots after they've taken a test drive or when they're trying on jewelry or trying on clothes or other things. We start to feel like we own the item and we also, some of us who are more guilt-ridden might feel like we're letting down the salesperson whose livelihood depends on selling this item to us. So we feel an obligation to that person because they've given us something. Uh, Back to the article. The endowment effect takes a larger psychological toll on us than we realize. Every year, we go through the same process of cleaning and figuring out where to store our possessions. Don't let this happen to you. Take the time to solve this problem once and for all. It's far better to de-own than declutter. The cost of ownership is often greater than we think. But that's not all. The cost and value of things become great only because we own it. And the more we recognize this, the more we feel the liberation of less. So I want to, that's the end of the article, and I just want to comment on a few things. So at this time of holiday season where people are spending a lot of money on gifts and buying things maybe for yourself, for your loved ones, this is a good thing to think about too because a lot of times we just buy things to buy things and the receiver really isn't going to enjoy it or like it but we feel an obligation to buy. Sometimes I think with certain relationships, maybe it's better just to come up with an agreement that you're not going to exchange gifts anymore. I know I sound like Scrooge right now, but maybe that it's just not something that you need to keep doing as a tradition. Another option that you can consider instead of buying stuff for someone that you don't think they will like, maybe consider buying them an experience instead. It might be, for example, last year, My wife and I bought tickets for my parents to go to a Christmas concert, a holiday concert, and we got tickets for ourselves and took them, and it was really a great experience. I've told my parents, now that they're in their 80s, I'm not really planning on buying them any more stuff because they don't really like stuff or want stuff, but I do want to buy them experiences or take them out to dinner or host them for dinner, so that's my way of gift giving for them now, and They've said that that's fine with them, and I feel a lot better about it too because I'm not racking my brain trying to figure out what to buy for people who don't really want anything, and I'm not feeling the guilt or the stress about it, but I'm giving them actually something that maybe they will enjoy and that maybe we can even enjoy together, that 
typically doesn't cost a lot of money, but it's it's better in my opinion. So those are just a couple of thoughts on the endowment effect. I hope you can get you guys can consider some of this and see how it applies in your own life. Sometimes people around the holidays get really carried away with acquiring of possessions and getting very materialistic. I hope that we can all take some time to just enjoy the other parts of the holiday traditions of the food, the relaxing, the fun, the family time, uh, games, maybe playing in the snow, whatever we really love to do instead of getting so caught up in the hustle and bustle. In our family, we've kind of gone away from that. We still buy gifts for the kids and everything, but we typically start it at least a month ahead of time and slowly do it over the month so it's not really stressful. We kind of just do it one little thing at a time. So my wife and I have figured out a way to enjoy the holidays and not stress so much about them. And if, in my thought is, if something like, for example, the holidays is stressing you out because of all the pressure you feel, take a step back and see if you really need to put that pressure on yourself. Do you really need to write, for example, Back in the day, we wrote Christmas cards to a bunch of people. Uh, we ditched that tradition a long time ago. Uh, it just took too much time and too much mental bandwidth and energy. It, I'm sure it's awesome for people to do that, to keep in touch with each other. It's just something we cut out of our holiday routine to try to enjoy the season a little bit more and not be so stressed about it. I'm sure there are other things you can think about in your life that might be causing you stress but not adding a lot of value. So. Remember, society or tradition tells us we need to do certain things or to keep certain gift things going or things that require a lot of stress and time or money. And it's good to really step back and see if you want to continue that tradition. Does it really bring you happiness and fulfillment? And does it add to your life? Or is it simply stressing you out and something you're doing out of guilt or because you've always done it? If you're feeling that way, stop and pause this holiday season and eliminate something. Eliminate maybe a couple things and get it to a point where you can really enjoy this time of year and find it relaxing and fun. So that is my challenge for you. And I do wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah for those of you who just recently celebrated Hanukkah. I hope it was a wonderful week for you of tradition and family and fun and gift giving and meals. And for those of you who celebrate Christmas, it's coming up soon. And hopefully I'll get another podcast or two out before then. But a Merry Christmas to all of you and a Happy New Year. And here in Utah, we're getting our first snowstorm in quite some time today. So that's kind of fun. So it looks like we will have a white Christmas. But have a great week, everybody. And if you could leave a positive review on Apple podcast, that would be great. And subscribe to the show. And remember, the simple life is a good life. Thank you.